You're listening to the Autism Weekly Podcast. Each week, we share community voices and bring light to stories that increase awareness, acceptance, equity, access, and inclusion. If you haven't already, subscribe to join the Autism Weekly family. I'm your host, Jeff Skibitsky. This week, we welcome Dr. Shawnee Waters back to the podcast to chat about quality care in ABA and what distinguishes that quality in an ABA organization. Shanti is a doctoral level board certified behavior analyst who has worked with children and adults with ASD and other disabilities for over 27 years. She serves as the VP of Quality Assurance at ABS Kids and has led the organization through the accreditation process with the Behavioral Health Center of Excellence, that's the BHCOE, where ABS Kids received a three-year accreditation. Shanti, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's an honor being back. Well, that's what I was going to say is welcome back to the podcast. It's, you last joined, I believe, on episode 35, where we had the opportunity to talk about the importance of following an ABA prescription, which probably ties into quality, I'm guessing, and how to make ABA more fun and functional, which once again is probably a quality initiative. Um, but that was about a year ago. What have you been up to since then? You know, we've been super busy in the quality department, um, just furthering uh, the development of our quality assurance program and that, you know, ongoing refinement of our clinical practices. Where is the where is the field right now on that? I know it sounds like you're refining something, but I mean, is is that something that's that's going on everywhere or is this unique to ABS Kids as an organization or or is it something that everybody's finally tackling, but, you know, there there is disagreement about how to get there? You know, I think that, you know, most entities out there are very interested in quality and people will say they're delivering quality programs, but the field hasn't really come together to define this is precisely what quality is. I do think it's moving in that direction. And, you know, we have been focusing on this now for a couple of years um, and have developed internally what that looks like, which I think um, is in line with where the field is going. Um, and I think in some areas, you know, we've pushed the envelope a bit as well. How many how many moving parts are there in a in a quality program? I mean, when you think about all the people that are involved in touching a in understanding the quality of services, I mean, it sounds like a, a large variety of departments have to be engaged. I honestly think all of them. <laughs> it's really an integrated process. There's different components to quality, depending upon which lens you're taking, but um, it's quite large um, and it involves really everyone within the organization. That And that's that's probably where the accreditation cycle kicks in. And, and I'd like to get to that, but before we get there, is having seen quality ABA and having implemented it with families before, there must have been that wow moment. There must have been that time to say, whoa, I just saw this team of clinicians really implementing things with such integrity and the family was engaged and empowered and the kid improved. I mean, do you have that story that just kind of puts together what a quality program can do for a family and a child? Um, absolutely. Um, just to take a quick step back, you know, my background started in early intensive behavioral treatment. And so I came from the 90s and, and thereafter where we were focused on 
providing the highest level of quality intensive services. Um, there were legal battles back in the 90s just to get access to care um, for high intensity services, 35 to 40 hours a week. And so we saw those outcomes back then. Um, I think the landscape has changed a bit. There was a period of time where access was easier. Now we're in the medical model and we're really having to um, really justify what we're recommending. And sometimes, frankly, it's hard to get those hours for kids. Um, recently, though, um, one of our clinicians brought this to me and I was so excited to see this. This just reinforces what we do. And um, it was a three year old child um, who you know, had severe needs in all areas um, when he came to us. He got 40 hours a week for you know, just about at the six month reauth period when they reevaluated this kid only needed 27. This kid, you know, increased that trajectory, learning trajectory, caught up in some areas and didn't need that intensive focus. And so, you know, this is really one of the areas where I see that, you know, ABA has that profound impact on kids and reinforces, you know, why we do what we do. And, and in order to get there, I mean, that, that requires a lot of data, that requires consistency, that requires a team that is empowered and understands how to implement programs. I mean, so it sounds like it's an organizational win. It isn't just a single clinician. It is a large number of people who are involved in being able to get there. Absolutely. It involves, you know, being able to recruit the right people, having the training in place so that clinicians know what to do. You know, having great programs to establish BCBAs, um, you know, so they can be competent um, and delivering that, you know, correct supervision, working with parents to make sure that, you know, they can carry things on um, and, and, and the list goes on and on. It really is and, an interactive I, I, process. Absolutely. And I mean, and, and that's where the accreditation comes in. It's like. So when you have an outside entity, an external organization come in and, and look at every little piece of your organization to give you feedback, areas improvement, areas where you're performing above the field, areas where you need to make modifications, that is kind of the attestment to, do I have all those working pieces together? And, and you just went through that process. And, um, and I'd like to say very successfully, because ABS Kids is one of the largest organizations to ever have a three-year accreditation, which is a, a, quite an honor because that's the highest level. Um, and so what does that mean for an organization like ABS Kids? What does that stamp actually tell us? about a, a clinical organization and the way they're looking at quality? Um, you know, really, I think it dem demonstrates to our families, you know, our team members, our payers too, that we are delivering the highest caliber of care for our patients. Um, it also represents our commitment to, you know, continual improvement in the care we're providing. We have the systems in place to make, you know, all aspects of operations and, um, you know, clinical, present so we can see what's happening and we can respond to that data. It's, you know, no one's going to be perfect every single time, but it's that, you know, are we gathering the right data so we can pinpoint where the needs are and make those adjustments to maximize, you know, every person's success. And in our field, it, I mean, quality has been a moving target for such a long time. It's been something where I think that you mentioned actually is that access to care was so important that it was a let's grow to get as many clinicians in the field as possible because there's so many kids out there. Now it is a, well, let's double back 
and just say, let's make sure every single person out there is providing the highest level quality of care. And as we've done that, I think that you probably are spot on with the fact that there's always going to be improvement opportunities. Um, I look back and maybe maybe you can give me some examples from your experience, but I look back 15 years ago and I can say is that I did not have the resources. Mm-hmm. I did not have the ability to have uh, such, I guess, support and to have the technology behind me, to have visibility behind everything, um, even when you're looking at policies and procedures and everything like that. So what are the biggest changes that you've seen over the last 10 years that you have seen in your organizations that have said, you know, it is a moving target. We are constantly getting better. Um, you know, one of the biggest ones that stands out to me is when I look back at what, you know, early intensive treatment was. And, you know, we think about discrete trial teaching and the perception of that is that it's very rigid. It's black and white. You know, they're, it's, you know, very cookbook, et cetera. But you, when you look at how it's evolved over the years, you realize that, you know, there's this, what some say, um, behavioral artistry. It's this teaching clinicians the sensitivity to the patients and responding to the patients in a meaningful way and not just following a script. And so I see in terms of the engagement in treatment looks very different than it did, say, you know, 30 years ago. Um, that's a huge improvement. And then just to focus on you know, outcomes. Outcomes is a huge area of focus. Um, I think everyone's interested in it, but in our field, we were so single case design. You know, we're, we're looking at the one patient and this one treatment and what kind of effect, but we're not looking at overall. How is the patient doing? Are they making meaningful change over time? Are we seeing that all of our patients getting this type of treatment are moving in that direction? Um, a lot of providers don't have means to capture that information where you can take a higher level view and see how are we doing. And that's something that we've you know, certainly emphasized here at ABS Kids. So when you went through this accreditation process, I mean, in order for an organization to even have those, those components that you're describing, it means that they have operations that are in place. It means they have consumer safety uh, in place, they have all of their technology supports, they have their clinician trainings, they have all their accreditations and credentialing, <laughs> ethics. I mean, uh-huh. so how hard is it and and how involved is a process to be able to kind of evaluate an organization to say, you know what, you deserve this stamp of quality. I mean, how many how many components are there are they going through? and is it is it a tough process? Um, you know, there are a lot of different areas. You highlighted many of them, um, the, you know, the recruiting, the hiring, the retention, service delivery, how we're documenting, um, you know, clinical information and session notes and assessments and reauthorizations. It, the list goes on and on. There's many areas. Um, it is complicated. I love that it's not just a checklist. Do you do this or do you not? But there's actually, you know, direct observation of patient care. So, you know, they wanted to see, how are you doing? Let's see what you actually do. They review our clinical documents, um, our notes, et cetera. Um, they interview and survey our behavior technicians or behavior analysts, leadership, even our parents. So they're gathering sources from, you know, many different areas and looking at all those pieces as they're going through what, what they determine, you know, these are the areas of quality we're emphasizing. 
And, you know, I'm grateful to say that with, you know, the systems and the individuals we have involved throughout the organization, we did very well. I mean, it, it sounds extremely thorough. And I would imagine that we also learned a lot is that, like you said, there's always <laughs> going to be areas for improvement. So, and and I don't know if, if the initiatives that you're working on were guided by the process or if there's things that you picked up on that said, you know what? we might not be doing this, the field might not be doing this, but it's necessary. And this should be our next goal. What were some of the things that either your department has learned from that process or that you're trying to push the envelope on to say, let's get there and drive everybody else in a direction that maybe you learned through the accreditation cycle? So it's been a learning process over time, but um, from that, I think we've started some of these um, projects you know, even before this three-year accreditation. So some of those original things were really looking at, you know, how can we build a clinical dashboard that gives us, you know, patient information so we can respond to data quickly rather than, you know, wait six months and see how they did. So we're building out, you know, some of these things now, um, and it's gonna allow us to see internally at least how children are doing compared to other children their age. We have a large database a data set that we have so far um, that will help us there. So um, I'm excited about that and some other projects related to that. I hope to be able to roll out, um, you know, some of the other pieces that I see in our field. And I think we're doing very well with the systems we built these last two years, but we're going to continue to push the envelope is really enhancing clinical documentation. You know, we are in a situation where we're often responding to the health plans and and you know, having to justify medical necessity. So really um, reevaluating some of those pieces and making sure we have the right supports in there um, to support, you know, from the front end, um, what we're recommending for our patients. And, um, you know, other areas would be, for example, impro improving the transition from care um, process. So, you know, we, we get in, um, we provide parent training, et cetera, but there comes a point in time where we need to really be planning out the transition process and, you know, how can we better support our patients to be able to maintain the skills we've taught? And also, of course, that involves, you know, beefing up that parent piece so that they can carry on without us since our services are limited. So many layers to every single piece of that. And I mean, as much as you'd want to have a process, a procedure is that you're going to have the training, you have to have the talent, you have to have everything in place. And I know one of the biggest challenges, and I and and you hear this from families nationwide right now, <clears throat> is that the retention in healthcare, especially at that the direct implementation level, which is the hardest job that you could possibly kind of go into, and there's so much passion in that job, is how or, or did you learn anything? Did the interviews help with that to kind of say, you know what, there's things that we need to be able to look at to be able to better support everybody, whether that's families or whether that's clinicians in the field, that that you learned, you know, let's start moving the needle in this direction so we can make sure that those that are working so hard out there have all the resources to do their job the best they can. Absolutely. So with respect to clinicians, you know, we we certainly have really focused on, you know, what happens in those first few weeks um, of hire and the training experience and trying to best support them in, you know, gradually getting them into actually transferring to working with a patient. So it's different working one-to-one -one with another adult, but it's 
different than actually getting in the chair or on the floor working with the kid and, and having the child respond to you. So that's um, been an area of focus. Um, and then, you know, also with parents, you know, we had parents who want more parent training. So that's been, you know, one of our projects is being able to provide quality parent training and increasing access to that. I mean, any time where you can give people information's power. I mean, you give them the ability to be able to be a part of what you're doing. Of course, they're going to be more engaged and feel more fulfilled because they can be a part of their child's care team. So, I mean, and and obviously, so, I mean, you've gone over a couple of these is the parents need to know to ask, you know, what your model of care looks like. How can I get more engaged? But if you were talking and and maybe taking a different seat as a consultant to a family, and they came to you and they said, you know, how do I, what are the questions to ask to know I have a quality program that's delivering the care or what should I expect from that team? How do, what do you suggest to them? What are the questions? How do you work through that? Oh, that's a great, great questions there. You know, I think um, it's really important as a clinician that we realize that and always put this at the first and foremost, is that we need to look at what the family values and what their needs are for this child. And if the child's able to have an active voice, being able to, you know, validate that. So, you know, we, as clinicians, we have the tools to assess where the deficits are, where the excesses are, et cetera. But what I value could be different from what's going to make the biggest difference in this family's quality of life. So we really have to be active listeners and, you know, what I'd want parents to know is we want to hear you. Sometimes we know the connection between what a parent asks for or a, a patient asks for, but there's these three steps we've got to get through in order to get that. Um, we have to make sure that we are clear in how we're communicating that because sometimes we can't jump to that big goal. We need some short-term goals to get there. And so as a parent, I'd want to ask, you know, make sure they're asking questions like, you know, I really want to see this. How are we getting there? Um, what steps do we need to take? What can we do to help support that? Um, in terms and, of, go ahead. Oh, and I was going to, I was going to kind of hit on that is that you, you were kind of given that feel for, you know, how the parent can engage and what they can, what they can do to be involved and how they can make sure that they're being heard. Mm -hmm. But how do they know that the right person is listening? I mean, it, it, accreditation is one thing that you could look at. Um, but what are the questions that, that they could, I mean, do they ask about training processes? Do they ask about their clinical leadership? I mean, what are the things that could give an indication to a family? You know what? Your, your team is taking the quality seriously, not just at your level, but organizationally, is that this is for this is a real initiative for them. I mean, I think seeing the evidence that the, the child is responding, doing what, you know, focused on um, focusing on those improvements and such, if you're not seeing change, sometimes, you know, we may make a recommendation the child doesn't respond how we intended. We are collecting data. The parent should see us collecting data. Um, and actually reviewing that data with them, showing the child's response to treatment. Um, if there's gaps, what are we doing about that? How They should see us problem solving. It's not just a passive thing. Well, we recommended and now we're going to sit back and watch, but do they see that active engagement and um, the adjustments made? And maybe, hey, we're seeing it with these people, but we're not with these others, so we're going to do this now. Or um, the parents should see that the clinicians want to involve them. Um, you know, ultimately, we know when parents are involved in treatment, 
kids are more likely to, you know, have greater outcomes and maintain their skills. So they should be seeing that we are reaching out to them as well. So if I if I were a parent in that situation, it sounds like there there are two major things that I need to be really making certain are part of my program. One of them is engagement. Is that whether that's the clinician engaging my child or the the team engaging me directly as a parent to be involved. The other one sounds like it's transparency. It's being able to see all of that on a regular basis, understand the whys, understand the hows, have that dialogue directly with your clinicians, and then also have the ability to see the progress over time. Um, so, I mean, it, it sounds like those are two really big areas to be able to assess. Are those assessed during an accreditation process? I mean, you, as you went through that with the, the BHCOE, was that something that was even looked at through the process? Was that something that they they wanted to make sure was happening? I mean, most definitely. I mean, they like I said, there are so many different areas in that evaluation that they looked at, but they're also, you know, inquiring from the parents from your perspective. You know, what are you seeing? Is, are, are the clinicians meeting your needs? Are they responsive to your feedback? Um, is your child improving? Is your child's quality of life improving? Um, so they're definitely seeking out that input. They're also, you know, seeking it out from your clinicians too. The, the behavior technicians are a huge component of the success of any child's program. They're the ones out there doing the work. And so, you know, we need to make sure that they're, you know, feeling supported um, and are getting what they need too, so they can be successful. So I think those interviews through the BHCOE and surveys are really critical in helping, you know, this independent agency see, hey, the, you know, this is confidential. What are they saying? Um, are they are they seeing that support? And then, you know, seeing that we have systems in place to track appropriately um, how children are responding to treatment and what we're doing with that, that's another piece of it. So all those layers, I think, lend to, you know, their evaluation. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I do know even with that accreditation cycle is what they'll do as a as the BHC in, in accrediting organization and every organization that discreditation probably does this. So they get out and they see the sessions. They're observing that the work is there and it's not a paper policy. It's something that actually is occurring, which is so important to be able to understand because as a parent, I might not know everything to look for. Right. But as an external organization, they should be my watchdog. So I mean, where do people go to find, you know, even what the standards are or what it is that's being evaluated by an accrediting body? Well, the great thing is the BHCOE is online. So you can go to www.bhcoe.org and learn all about their accreditation standards. Um, it's all right there for them. And I, and I think that once again, is just knowing what's important. And I would imagine they can actually probably even give feedback to the BHCOE on, you know, what's value, what's valued by a recipient of care. I think all of that becomes very important over time. And then where, where can people find more information about, you know, it, am I finding an accredited organization? Are there typically listings for this? Yes, they can definitely go to their website and see, you know, if they're looking at a particular agency, they can log into their website and see if the agency's been accredited. If they're not on the list, it doesn't mean that they didn't meet it necessarily, but this is those who have um, gone through the process and um, achieved a status. And I believe right now they still have one, two, and three-year accreditations. So that's one way to learn about the agency. 
Well, I, I appreciate all this information. And, and quite frankly, quality goes beyond the, the stamp of approval by an accrediting body is that there's a lot of pieces to it. And oftentimes it's it's folks in your role that can force the field to start moving and always stepping up their quality initiatives and driving not just an organization, but driving all organizations to continuously move the quality of care upwards. So I appreciate everything you've done and uh, I appreciate the fact that you came on to talk to us about this today. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS Kids. ABS Kids is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS Kids and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting ABS Kids. Dot com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week.